Hello and welcome to another edition of Spring Office Hours. I'm your host, Dan Vega, along with me as always, my good friend, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Now that we got our technical issues taken care of, it's good. It's great to be back. Our community's here and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening already in the chat. It has me just excited. I've missed everybody. I've missed the show. You and I have both been really, really busy. We have, we have. Really busy, traveling um, all over I, the place. Yeah, we're kind of all over the place. Uh, we had some some customer spot stops. We we stopped in Detroit for a nice spring one uh, tour. And I think that's the last time we really talked to everyone because in Detroit, we interviewed Spencer Gibb uh, yep. about Spring Cloud, uh, Spring Cloud Gateway. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. So that, that was, was a Detroit great conversation because yeah, we got all like the history and background and yeah, some some teasers. And then he kept right. on delivering uh, because <laughs> when we were in uh, Austin, then yep. there was he he had put out some tweets and some announcements about some of the cool features that still has me a little bit giddy. Yeah, with some yep. of the things that we're going to be able to do with the new Spring Cloud Gateway MVC. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we have um, we have a pretty good show for you today. We have the title of the show is "What's New in Spring," and usually this is kind of a topic that we talk about every time. But really, because Deshaun and I have been away for a while, we have a whole bunch of news to get to. So we're going to cover kind of those things that Spencer mentioned, a couple of other things that I saw, but really just kind of get you caught up today with you know what's new in spring as well as answer your questions because we've been away for a while. So we'd like to get to some of those questions. So if you're joining us live uh, on YouTube uh, at Spring Developer, go ahead and ask those questions. Uh, we see a bunch of questions coming in. If you are joining us on the podcast or watching the, the rerun of this later, uh, do us a favor, head over to springofficehours.io. That's kind of the landing page where you can see the upcoming episodes, the past episodes, and there's a button on there to ask a question. If you go in there, you can ask a question there, and we'll get to those, uh, you know, as soon as we can. So, uh, Deshaun, I, you, you said there were a lot of interesting things happening in the chat already. Um, anything that kind of stick out to you that you want to talk about now? Well, Thomas, our good friend Thomas, has been super active. His yep. project that we've talked about many, many times, he did a stream with Josh. Mm -hmm. And Josh helped him kind of identify some of the hints that he'll need in order to uh, get that AOT processing support for GraalVM. Uh, yep. Initially, thanks, Thomas, for letting me know about my mic. Hopefully, this is a little bit better. Uh, but also, Simon is talking about using open rewrite. Uh, he mentions he's trying to use the Feynman technique to kind of move forward, learn it a little bit, so he can share it with, uh, I think he wants to do a pre presentation at one of the jugs. So that's just exciting. Fun stuff. Yep. Yep. Totally. Um, cool. All right. Well, get your, get your questions in. Uh, again, we, uh, haven't been here for a couple, few weeks, so we're excited about this. We are going to be able to, um, talk next week and then the following week. And then we are at spring one spring at, one. at uh, spring one at VMware Explorer is really coming up fast. Talking about um, all the stuff that we've been doing with customers and traveling all over the place. You have also been super loaded with all of your spring one duties. Yes, yeah, yes. Spring one, right around the corner. Uh, that is coming up quick. Plans over here in the other window. And it is, it is coming up quick. I hope to see you there. I know I'm going to see you there, but I hope to see everybody there. It's cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. to be, like it's really turning into something special. 
So I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, and I wanted to go ahead and throw this up here. And that's really where I wanted to start today was Spring One at VMware Explorer. Because we are getting uh, pretty close, we're going to obviously talk about this uh, for the next few weeks as we get closer and closer. But um, if you haven't registered, you can re still register at springone.io. The exciting thing now is the schedule is out. So I wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about the schedule. But again, this is happening August 21st through the 24th in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Venetian uh, Hotel. Really excited about that. There's Christopher saying, um, I'm so excited for spring one. Finally got confirmation. Yes. I get to go. That's awesome. Christopher, here's the deal. Uh, if you don't get a selfie, if we don't get a selfie together, did you really go? So that's all we're saying. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Uh, selfies need to be uh, taken. Uh, you know, Thomas has a question over here. Uh, yep. He's he's asking, hey, what's the easiest way to get my Graal VM built native executable with Spring Cloud Function running on AWS Lambda? Now, I've, I've done this. I have a demo somewhere. Uh, I did it early, but it was with Spring Boot native. So I honestly, I haven't taken this back, the Spring Cloud Function native back to AWS Lambda yep. since then. Do you have anything lately? That we no. So I've, I've a, I have not done anything with Graal VM on Lambda because... AWS Lambda has something called Snapstart, which is using a function similar to crack underneath the hood. And this will give you kind of 10x performance improvements on your Lambda functions. So I haven't really seen a need to because I'm getting this out of the box with AWS Lambda. Um, and it's really easy to turn on. When you go into your Lambda function, there's basically a checkbox that says, hey, I want to turn on Snapstart. Now, you do need to use uh, x86. This doesn't work with, with um, uh, anything else. So you do need to use that. You check it, and then you run a version of your function, and, and this is on. Again, 10x improvements. Um, and, and I think for most of the things that we're trying to do, that's going to get you to where you need to go. Um, so yeah, other than that, no, I, I have not been able to build. I haven't, I honestly haven't spent a lot of time trying to do so uh, because of that feature. Wonderful. There's a, a couple of other good questions. Uh, yeah, we got some referrals to your videos. Uh, Java Manifest says, why are these events not extended to Africa, such as in Now, uh, I know that we've actually done Spring One Tour events in South Africa. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think the last one was in 20... Was it in 2020 or was it 2019? Before, yeah. Uh, yeah it was pre-pandemic. Uh, but we have. And, yeah, and things are turning around. So we might yeah. you know, start to see these things uh, heading that way. Uh, I know that I am going to be at a conference in Johannesburg uh, in October. So I'm going to Africa. So that'll <laughs> be fun. Uh, maybe we can catch up. I mean, how far apart could we be? And yeah, if you're in Africa and I'm in Africa, we might as well meet up. Yeah, for uh, sure. So yeah, let's see. Christopher says the office hour selfie is the whole point of the trip. So that, <laughs> that's why we're going to Spring One. Like I get it. I was that same person, nice. and I'm now I'm even more excited. Nice. So, yeah, this is wonderful. I'm glad to see that we've got people joining us from Africa. I know the timing is a little interesting, but yeah, we're absolutely happy to see you here. And just a friendly reminder: at my house, when you come over for dinner. If you leave hungry, that's your fault. And here at Spring Office Hours, if you've got questions, you've got any kind of questions, you got to get them asked. Put them in the chat. 
we'll start them. We might not get to them right away, but we'll start them. We'll try to get to as many as possible during the show. And if mm -hmm. we can't get to them during the show, we'll take it offline and we'll reach out and let's connect. So thank you. Cool. All right. Talking about Spring One of VMware Explorer again, um, the schedule is up. So if you head over to the website and get, uh, view visit schedule, um, you can see exactly what's happening on every day. Now, I want to make sure everybody knows about this. So Spring One is basically day one of VMware Explorer. So VMware Explorer is a very large conference. Spring One is day one. All of the Spring One content is on day one. So if you go through the schedule, you'll see um, everything that's going on. We have a keynote. We have uh, a break. We have all the different sessions. Um, so we have lunch, session, sessions, and then a welcome reception. Please do not plan on getting there and then leaving after day one. VMware Explorer, even if there, you traditionally thought that some of that content may have not have been for you, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if you go through there on the Spring One scheduler, you'll see the Spring content that's sprinkled in throughout the VMware Explorer conference. And so this means that um, even if you're just interested in Spring content, you can get that on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. More importantly, Wednesday night, if you go all the way down here, Wednesday night, the VMware Explorer party is happening at 7. Before that, 5 to 7, 20th anniversary of spring party. I mean, you can't miss that. That is going to be the party of the year. It's 20th anniversary of, of spring. 20 years. It's going to be the, <laughs> the biggest party in 20 years. Exactly. So please make sure you're staying for all the content. Um, yours truly, I'm speaking on Monday. I'm speaking twice on Monday. I'm speaking once on Thursday with my good friend, Nate. So you can't miss any of those. Deshaun, when are you speaking? I have no idea. I know I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be oh. speaking. <laughs> I, I believe you're on Monday as well. Um, let's see if we can't find this. And then there is a scheduler. So um, you have to – oh, there's there's you on Monday. I know but you're doing scale, you. scaling your Spring Boot apps to zero. That's actually you now. <laughs> mm, um, no, no. This nope. is – this is you. Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk later. Uh, awesome. My part is now during the keynote. Got it. This one Got is still it. you. This one is still all right. Good. Yeah. Yep. Rock yep. and roll. So, uh, and, and, and then you have, have another session on uh, fifteen factors, or yep. which one are you doing? Yeah. Yes, cool. Fifteen factors. All good. So, if you're a fan of Spring Office Hours, you got to go to Spring One. You have to be there. We're going to be all over that place. So, Thomas, um, a lot of content just for you. The whole yep. scaling to zero stuff. Uh, what we're trying to do. Uh, I'm deploying more and more not even functions, but just more and more apps, Spring Boot apps to my Raspberry Pi clusters, to my laptop and scaling to zero using Knative. And I'm almost at this point where I'm, I'm, I've been doing so much, yeah, just Knative and extra stuff. And now I'm being yelled at uh, by my wife, <laughs> but uh, I'm doing so much, I'm even more excited. Like I want to deploy more and I want to get more feedback, like what are other people doing? I know that I'm not the only one running Kubernetes on my laptop. Yeah, so uh, man, I've I've gone through like all the sessions and there are just so many things that I want to see. So I'm getting really excited. We are less than a month away. Um, it's also going to be my birthday there. So if you want to bring me birthday presents, I'm not going to say no to that. Um, I know Deshaun will bring me <laughs> stickers, so that'll be good. Um, so yeah, I'm getting excited for that. Register for Spring One uh, at VMware Explorer.
go through and build out your sessions. This is really important too, because I know as a speaker on the back end, I can see how many people are registering for each talk. And that's really great for us. Like we get a get an idea of like how many people are going to be in the audience. There. So there's so. a difference now. So I, I got the notes about the adjustment. I made an adjustment. Hopefully my my audio is a little bit better. Nice. Uh, but with these sessions, why we want you to register for those sessions is because some of the rooms are small. Some mm -hmm. of the rooms are, are massive, but still there's yep. going to be standing room only for a lot of these places. And we want to make sure that you get your spot. Yep. That's it. Cool. So... Spring one at VMware Explorer. Um, I'm excited about it. You should be too. Can't wait to see all of you there. Again, we have a lot more other plans for the, the conference, but we're going to be busy. There's also going to be a booth there. Deshaun and I will be at the booth. So if you're walking through the kind of uh, booth area, uh, stop by there. And uh, one of us will be there along with a lot of our team members. So really looking forward to that. And we are going to do a run. We are going to do a run. Yeah, I'm thinking Tuesday morning. Okay. I think I'm Tuesday morning uh, and we got to do it early, but yes, yes we're going to do that for sure. Cool. Um, all right. Let me grab my content here. So that was spring one at VMware Explorer. I guess what we wanted to do was basically spend some time today talking about what's new in uh, spring, right? Um, one of the ways that we do this is by taking a look at the calendar. Now, a lot, and this is located at calendar.spring.io for those of you listening on the podcast. So if you look at the calendar now, there's a whole ton of releases this month. There's a whole ton of releases last month. Um, you'll see by, if you look at the list, a lot of them are dot releases. So we're catching up on some things, uh, cleaning some things up. I'm not going to go through this entire list of things that was released. Um, I think we'll go into I'll detail story. And into a few of these. But yeah, go ahead. So last week on the 20th, I had a presentation at the Kansas City Java user group. Yep. And as I was you know, doing some demos, I realized, wait, I'm showing an old version of Spring Boot. And I was embarrassed. I can't be in this <laughs> role and go to a jug and deliver something using an old version of Spring Boot. And 3.1.2 got released on Thursday. Yeah. So this is kind of to touch on what Simon is uh, talking about in the chat. I have this open rewrite plugin that I just use regularly. Uh, there's also a Spring CLI uh, adjustment that's being made. Uh, so we might see that soon in that experimental project. But I use that to just upgrade my demo right before the demo. Nice. And that's how I roll. Cool. Nothing could go wrong. The there. Greatest. Keep things on the latest and greatest. Yeah, I, I do have a problem with making <laughs> changes to my demos on the day of the demo. But yes, but I'm not it seems myself by delivering. It seems to work out. Yeah, something old. No way. Cool. How did that talk go? Uh, I think it went really well. I think it were, yeah. went really well. Yeah, it was a good, good cool. conversation, uh, and we talked about all the things all the way down. So yeah, I had some problems nice. with the demo, but it worked. It worked for the most yeah. part. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so I have uh, a list of things of what I want to cover. Deshaun, you could feel free to jump in here, but I figured one of the places I want to start with is Spring for GraphQL 1.2 was released last month um, and then some subsequent point releases. Uh, I've done a bunch of videos on Spring for GraphQL lately. This is one of the talks that I'm going to be giving at Spring 1. Uh, but as you know, I'm a huge fan of this project. And they've added some really nice features in Spring for GraphQL 1.2. Um, so I'll just mention two really quick. 
pagination support. So we used to be able to do pagination, but you had to kind of roll your own solution. And rolling your own solutions, okay, that'll work, but it's never a good idea because that means in every service, you can roll your own solution there as well. And then you have inconsistent solutions across your organization, and that's just going to lead to maintenance nightmare, right? So the pagination support brings the cursor connection specification. And I didn't even know this was a thing, but I've used GraphQL like on my website before. And I understood that like how to do pagination there. It was based on a spec. So Spring for GraphQL has now implemented that spec. And it's something I've used before. So again, implementing specs across uh, different implementations is a good thing because now we can kind of build out pagination consistently. So big fan of that. Uh, I've done a video on that if you're interested. And then uh, schema mapping checks. So there's a nice new tool in there that will give you a report and basically say, hey, you've created this schema over here but you're missing like uh, a data fetcher over here in your controller, or you've done that, but you're missing these fields. Maybe you didn't map the fields correctly. And so this is, if things start to go wrong and you can't figure out where things are going wrong, um, and actually this is my default now, I just include it by default anyway, because I like to see that report. Um, you can use the schema mapping report. So some, some really, Great features in Spring for GraphQL in both 1.1 and the 1.2 release. So I'm really excited uh, about the changes there. Cool. Spring for um, GraphQL stuff has probably been one of the most popular topics that we've been delivering for the past two years. Yep. By far, it's it's one of the most requested. Uh, people get excited about it because it changes so much about the way yep. that you kind of look at what you're delivering. So yeah, mm -hmm. if you haven't taken a look at it, yeah. you probably shouldn't. Yeah, and I'm excited and based and yeah, just to kind of back that up, looking at the um, looking at the numbers for people registering for my talk at Spring One, same thing. People are interested in this topic, which I'm excited about. So I've been spending a lot of time. I, I'm not delivering the same talk I've given on GraphQL. Um, I'm definitely gone through, revamped it, and updated it, and included a whole bunch of the newer features in this. So we're going to talk about that at Spring One. So cool. Another one I wanted to mention was Spring Modulith hit 1.0 milestone one release. Um, I have not had a chance to play with this. Deshaun, maybe you can do it a little more justice than I can and talk a little bit about what this project is and maybe where it is. Um, uh, your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah. Are you excited to play with it? I'm excited, and I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because there's this idea where uh, if I'm putting things together, I'm putting things into a, mon uh, a monolith, uh, I could, the example I'm referencing is the stuff that Mark Pollock is doing, Spring CLI. Uh, on Spring.io, we have these uh, guides that tell you how to use different uh, projects out of Spring Boot. And those guys, they've got examples. Now, the idea is I could take one of those guides, the code that's in one of those guides, and I could put it into my monolith, and I could have you know, a, a feature, and it's in its own module, and I could grab another one. So let's say I grab the, the Hadios example and the GraphQL example, uh, and maybe the uh, social sign-in example, and I grab those all, and they're all in different modules in my application. And what I get is I get rules that say, hey, not just here's how the, the separation exists, but also ways of enforcing, like, hey, this, this module cannot call something that module. So it's got the right 
uh, yeah, property setup rules and it enforces those rules so that your code can then later be separated out into microservices if you need it. Just this idea, but also just the adding and removing of a feature of a module. That's super exciting. Under the covers is doing a lot of really cool things, but from the just like first pass, there's rules. And I'll admit the documentation needs a little bit of help. It's a little bit hard to kind of get your head around it, uh, but it keeps on improving. So there's constant changes. So it's a great project. It's a really cool idea. And yeah, it has me excited for more of this kind of, maybe not what we have today, but I'm really excited about what we're gonna have real soon. And this ability to kind of add, remove, update modules within existing projects. Yeah, that's gonna be really neat. So, and again, I'm asking questions. I don't know if you know the answers to, but this is, so this is saying basically, hey, the monolithic applications that we've built forever, there's really nothing wrong with them. Let's maybe not rush to turn this into a distributed architecture. Yep. And if if there are pieces that we need to extract out into other services, maybe this is a good place to start. Let's just turn this into more of a modular monolith and break out our application into different modules then. Yeah. So, you know, as we were doing the monolith, we were throwing it all into kind of the, the ball of mud but we weren't mm -hmm. putting those rules in place. We're just like, oh yeah, I'll just do yeah, it yeah. this one time. I'll just, <laughs> I'll make this call. The other thing that this project does is it gives you that uh, eventing. So the way that you're communicating between modules can be separated, it can be distributed or you know, contained in the same project. So yeah, mm -hmm. it gives you a lot of flexibility. It enforces a lot of good practices for things that might scale out, uh, but also just good practices as you're going forward in, yeah. a lot of teams are doing monoliths. A lot of teams aren't doing these distributed architectures. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm just, it's going to get added to the long list of things Dan wishes he had time to learn. But until after spring one, I'm not going to be able to touch it. So nobody has time to learn um, anything between now and spring one. You learn it all at spring one. And then <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the month after, then I that, want to see all the blogs and all the demos and all that, that everything. That's a great point. That's a great point. I'm sure I have not I have not I don't know off the top of my head if Oliver's presenting on this, but I'm guessing he is. Um, so if that's on the schedule, I'm gonna find a way to uh, make that session. And yeah, one of the things that conferences are great about is like, maybe you don't learn a ton in an hour, but you pick out a few things and then you get really excited about those few things and you go home from the conference and you really dive into those features. So yeah, um, the dots. Yep. The dots. Even better, I'll just pull Oliver aside and say, hey, <laughs> give me the highlights. What am I doing here? <laughs> I, uh, so and maybe this is a little bit off track, but I find myself, you know, in this seat a lot of times saying, oh, I... I don't need to ask that question. Uh, I'll figure it out and I'll take 10 times longer to figure it out Yeah. versus just asking the question. And then, yeah. And I see you've done it like, Hey, there's an opportunity here where I've got access to all the people uh, to go ask questions, but I still find myself having a hard time asking for help. Well, yep. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm asking for help <laughs> uh, and it's been great. Uh, yeah. Steve Reisenberg has been helping me out with some spring security stuff in the nice. spring authorization server, yep. which also went GA not too long ago. 
Yeah, that should have been another one on my list, but we have so many things to talk about. But yeah, Spring Authorization Server. Now on the starter. So if you go to start.spring.io, you pick that. Before you had to like do a whole bunch of configuration. Now you get the auto configuration out of the box. Really good stuff. Such a big benefit. Mm-hmm. Such a big benefit. Cool. Okay, so those are two things I want to talk about. Spring for GraphQL, get caught up on that. Spring Modulate, if you haven't had a chance, check that project out. Let's get to a couple of the big ones now. Uh, Spring Framework 6.1 Milestone 1 has been released. Um, And with that, Spring Boot 3.2 Milestone 1 has been released, which, of course, builds on Spring Framework 6.1. So um, we've been talking about this a lot this year on tour uh, to customers, to developers. Why should they get excited about uh, Spring Framework 6.1? Just a minor release coming later this year. Shouldn't be a big deal, right? Um, Well, wrong. Like there's a lot of really great stuff coming this year. One of the things I'm obviously looking forward to the most is uh, JDK 21 is the next LTS version coming out in September, I believe, which will support Project Loom and Virtual Threads. Spring Framework 6.1 is going to have first-class support for Virtual Threads. And I don't know, have we done a, I think we've done a talk on this here on Office Hours. If we haven't, we will definitely schedule one. Um, so I'm not going to go into virtual threads in Spring, but hey, if you're building Spring MVC, data-driven apps, any type of blocking operations, talking to other services, uh, talking to a database, et cetera, you're going to see some really great performance improvements with virtual threads uh, right out of the box. So that's one thing. Um, we have JVM Checkpoint Restore uh, built on Project Crack. Um, and some data binding and validation updates. So a lot coming in 6.1 and some of the other things that we're going to talk about today, like with Spring Cloud and then the REST client. Um, Yeah. Um, The GA is September 19th. Cool. So that's the next LTS version. Remember, we used to have LTS every three years. Now we're going every two years. 17 was the last LTS. 21 is now the LTS. Spring 6, Spring Boot 3, These are still a baseline of Java 17, but if you want to move to Java 21, uh, JDK 21, you can. Cool. Anything, anything there that kind of gets you excited? What are you you excited about any of that? Uh, I'm excited about it all. Uh, A lot of the stuff, again, the scale to zero is kind of like a sweet spot. I talk about a lot, uh, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm doing Kubernetes on my laptop. Uh, but yep. I'm also looking in the the chat. Wasn't it Todd Ginsburg that talked about Arch Unit uh, at KCDC 2022? Mm, I don't know that I've seen that. I believe no. that's where I, that's where I first learned about it. Arch Unit is pretty awesome, and uh, yeah, and that's under the covers. That's included in uh, Spring Modula. So yeah, nice good conversation. When I talk about Spring Office Hours, uh, the things that happen in chat are a, a big part of it. You know, we have this great community and people are able to ask questions and get answers just from the chat. So thanks, everybody, for helping us <laughs> in the chat. <clears throat> cool. Um, so, yeah, Spring Boot 3.2 going to be based on Spring Framework 6.1. A milestone is out. What's new? Of course, support for virtual threads. Um, to enable us, all you need to do is go in and set a property, spring.threads.virtual.enabled, and set it to true. Seems easy enough. 
most of the time, you know, we've talked about this a lot too. One of the things that gets me really excited about this feature is that for the most part, your traditional Spring MVC talking to a database applications, there'll be no code changes for you as far as your code base goes. You'll need to set this property and then hopefully you can see some, some performance benefits right out of the box with that. Um, so uh, for those of you at home, we're looking at the release notes of three, Spring Boot 3.2 Milestone 1. Go ahead and check those out. We'll leave a link in the show notes um, for that. Um, so it goes through and it talks about how this works with web servers and task execution. Um, and then um, we go into some observability improvements. Um, that's another thing I think I forgot to mention uh, that I've really liked in Spring for GraphQL is they've added some a bunch of observability support in there. Um, so really nice to see that. But there's some observability improvements in Spring Boot 3.2. Um, and then the REST client support. So this is going to be uh, something else that I wanted to talk about. Nope, we haven't talked about that yet. So if I've got a couple links. Um, if you go to the Spring Framework documentation and go to the latest, so I'm just looking at the snapshot, and you go under web and servlet stack and go down to REST clients, you now see there are like four different clients in here, right? We have the web client, which we had before. We have the REST template, which we had before. And then new in Spring Framework 6 and Spring Boot 3, we had HTTP interfaces, which are built on the web client. Now there is a REST client. So what is a REST client? If you go into REST client, you'll see that the reference documentation is coming, but there are API docs on this. Um, so what, what is a REST client? Uh, the REST client is a client to perform HTTP requests exposing a fluent synchronous API over underlying HTTP client libraries, such as the JDK's HTTP client or Apache's HTTP components and others. So essentially what this is, is a lot of people really enjoy the fluent style of the web client. And the web client is great, if you're in a reactive application, but if I'm in a Spring MVC um, application, do I really need to bring in, you know, the reactive package just to take advantage of that web client? Now there are some blocking operations on that web client, right? But do I want to bring that in just to do that when I have other libraries that that I can use? So the REST client is kind of that response to that. Now we get this. Fluent style, we have these static factory methods for creating or a builder to create an instance. Um, and you can also use the same configuration as the REST template. So there's the API documentation. There's also a really good blog post about this on spring.io. And this was on July 13th. And this is going to talk about what the REST client is. Uh, a new synchronous HTTP client, as the name suggests, REST client offers a fluent API of web client with the same infrastructure as REST template. So, cool. I I just heard about this probably, you know, we knew, we thought this was coming. We, we heard rumblings of it, but um, really uh, Spencer in Detroit was like, hey, this is coming real quick. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll start getting excited about it. So... Yeah. Yeah. What are you? What are your thoughts on it this? It doesn't break anything. It's just another way of doing things. We're mm -hmm. the the team is basically 
uh, yeah, trying to keep people comfortable, you know, give them the tools to use the way they use. I, I think that this is just one of the examples that we have of our community saying, hey, I would really like this. And our spring team has just gone and done it. Mm-hmm. So now you have just one more option. But it didn't, it didn't replace anything. We just added another tool. So one of the things I was really interested in is I asked on the um, our internal Slack to the Spring Engineering team, I said, okay, we have this REST client now. We have the web client now. We have HTTP interfaces, which underneath the hood uses the web client. I asked, will HTTP interfaces still rely on the web client or can it use the new REST client in an MVC app? And yes, that support is there. So now if I'm using the REST client or HTTP interfaces, I don't need to bring in the reactive web stack to use that feature. And I think that is one of the biggest things that people get caught up on and, and myself included. Like, I want this one little feature. I don't want to bring in this starter and then have to like exclude other dependencies. Now I can just use those things in an MVC app without having to pull that extra stack in. So it says that declarative REST client API is beautiful. Functional programming is life. <laughs> oh yeah. You yeah. Really enjoy the Spring Cloud Gateway MVC. Yes, we're going to talk about that as well. So uh, for those of you uh, on the podcast at home, not looking, not in the live stream, we're looking at the, the the blog post on this. And there's a bunch of information on how to basically create a new REST client. Um, there's an example of, hey, I need to perform a simple Git. How do I do that? And yeah, this, this code, um, so it's using the REST client just says, hey, I want to get, here's the URI, retrieve it turn the body into, uh, in this case, it's the type is going to be a string. This type of fluent API is much more easier on the eyes and, and easy to read and write compared to something like the REST template, which again, the REST template works great, but I'm always confused on what method to use, what parameters it takes. For me, this just just kind of simplifies things, and I really like um, I really like the examples here in in the blog post. Understandable. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody that's watching that that can uh, that's watching live, throw in the chat uh, what version of Spring Boot you're using, uh, the last app that you've touched, what version of Spring Boot you're using, what version of Java you're using, and where do you deploy it? Docker, Kubernetes, uh, a VM, just that. If you, if you feel so inclined, throw that in the chat. I'm just curious to see where everybody's at and, yeah, and what they're using. I'm, I'm very curious to see what JVMs people are using. Cool. All right. Um, so that's the REST client. Uh, that's coming. Uh, that's there in Spring Framework 6.1 Milestone 2, which is available. So, hey, you can give this, give us a ride now. Um, yeah. Go ahead and check it out. So, um, one more thing I wanted to talk about, I don't have a lot of info on because, so we talked to Spencer about this. Spring Cloud Gateway has traditionally used the reactive web stack, right? So, if you want to use Spring Cloud Gateway, you're going to write your router functions, your filters, everything is done in reactive programming. Um, not a big deal in that case um, because you're not 
you're not traditionally asking your entire team to learn reactive programming, right? This is an entry point. We route our traffic to maybe some other service in your organization, and that service down the line can can use whatever imperative or or reactive um, style if they want to. Um, but that's traditionally been done in a reactive stack. So Spring Cloud Gateway, uh, Spencer told us in that last episode, if you want to go check out that episode, which is number 44, um, although I say 44, that's 44 on ours. On the podcast, it's probably different. I got to get those <laughs> straight now. Um, but he told us that, hey, Spring MVC support is coming. So now you can write um, your configurations using Spring MVC. You don't need to bring in the reactive stack if you want to use Gateway. I found... Um, I found a uh, like a tweet from from, yes. from Spencer uh, showing the new Spring MVC Spring Cloud uh, configuration, which supports has like m- support for multiple uh, routes here, and it's using a router function in MVC. And I mean, I know you can't see this if you're on a podcast, but this just looks cool. <laughs> I mean, this looks so. Great. The idea here is, I am asking for a route. A client asks for a route. And that route is the result of a chain of functions. Mm-hmm. That's hot. That's pretty cool. That's that's really cool. So, yeah. Um, and again, um, I don't I don't know if you have any other links that may have more info on this. I I couldn't find any this morning. Nope. But <laughs> I got excited over the tweet just like you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can check out Spring Cloud on GitHub under Spring Cloud release, but. Spencer even noted here in the tweet uh, that this is looking at the end of November. So work is still going on here. Um, interested in, in seeing how this plays out. Uh, can't wait to get my hands on this. I've already had multiple conversations around that. Yeah. That tweet, yes. Awesome. Um, everybody in chat, thanks for sharing your, your, your insights there. Uh, we've got, you know, 3.08, job 17 and 20. Uh, running in Kubernetes with GKE, as an example, one project using Spring Boot 2.7, another on 3.1, deployed to a VM with Docker Compose. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about in a bit, the Docker Compose support, the new stuff that came out with 3.1. And also, I just realized, as I'm going through these, I just realized that on start.spring.io, if you add test containers dependency, and yeah, and you add, let's say Postgres uh, driver mm. or MySQL driver, it'll actually set up your test application and you now have a Spring Boot test run target so you can run your test application and it's automatically wired. Yeah. And your yep. containers are automatically wired. Yep. What an amazing world that we live in right now. I know, I know. And the same goes for the Docker Compose support. If you pick the Docker Compose support and you pick something like Postgres, it's going to write that service in the Compose pile for you. So pretty cool. Oh, wow. So if I if I do test containers and Docker Compose, I'll get a Docker Compose file. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is just, it, it is such a great time <laughs> to be a developer. These kids have no idea. It is wild. They don't. They don't. Um Cool. Yeah, I think that's really all. Now, this is not all of the things that are new in the Spring ecosystem. I just wanted to pick a few out and highlight them because there's been a lot happening over the last month. So I hope you found something useful in that. Niha, thanks for sharing this right here. Uh, Hibernate, the Hibernate upgrade. 
uh, I've, I've, a lot of customers are, are trying to do the upgrade and they're trying to get the latest greatest. Uh, and I've got basically two buckets of customers, uh, organizations that are doing this upgrade, you know, whether it's with Spreeboot Migrator or Open Rewrite or whatever, they're trying to get on the latest and greatest. And Hibernate has been an issue and specifically Hibernate Search has been an issue, but there's in two groups. There's one group where it goes super easy and the other group, it does not. There's like no middle ground. It's either a super easy upgrade or it's not an easy upgrade at all. Uh, but I can say this, that we do have customers that have finally made the upgrade and they're moving forward. So uh, good luck with that. So much fun. Any other questions, please feel free to get them in the chat and we'll see if we can't answer here. All right. Uh, and this is from just me. Hello, I have three questions. One, I cannot run my config server in IntelliJ because of change my profiles, how to fix it. Um, I'm not sure of the answer on that one. Uh, I do run config server locally. So in one window, uh, if I'm not running it in my local Kubernetes, I will stand it up. I'll run it on localhost 8088. So I just open up that project and hit run, just like you normally would. And, and it works. I don't understand the change my profiles part of that, unless you're trying to get the profiles that you would normally get when you deploy with Kubernetes. So in that case, it's your application that would say, hey, this is the profile that I want to request that I'm accessing, give me those configs. So on the URL, instead of 8888 slash gateway server slash default, it'd be gateway server slash Kubernetes to get the Kubernetes configs. Um, Java versus Golang and microservices. Uh, we've answered this question quite a bit. Uh, you know, I'd say before last November, you you had a little bit of an argument on Golang was a better choice for scale, performance, startup, et cetera. But I think with the AOT processing, uh, and one of the reasons why they put so much effort into the AOT processing is because now we get all of those same benefits and we get all the power of the JVM if we're doing something like Prax. So we can we have more options on the Java side than we do on the Golang side. So if you're already using Golang, like use it. Uh, but if you're already using Java, use it. You know, there's a, uh, I don't remember how he phrased it, but uh, the phrase was basically, it doesn't matter what language you're doing. There's not one language that's inherently better than the other. The one that you're gonna go to production with the best is the one that you know. And you can pretty much do all the things in any language. So yeah. Yeah. Um I I, I kind of want to touch on that too because because I think you know we we've talked about this in the past. I talked about it with Nate Chuda when he was on the show as well. And and again, the term microservice gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot. How big is a microservice? Is a microservice can be very small, it can be very large. It's just a service that is basically independently deployable. But it could handle one thing. So this microservice could be a very large service in our organization. And in that case, um, I'm throwing that on the JVM. If it's getting a lot of throughput and it's handling a lot of traffic and it's always up, that is something the JVM does very well with, right? Out of the box. It knows how to optimize for those situations. Maybe um, in your case, you were talking about this very small microservice that 
doesn't come up a lot and only takes a little bit of traffic. Okay. Um, in that case, yeah, maybe that is a good idea where we want to create a native image of it. Again, uses less memory, starts up faster. So I think, you know, I'm going to echo what Deshaun said, because we have that flexibility now in Java of picking the right tool for the right job. Uh, Java to me is just a winner all around because you can use the same language for so many different things. Yeah, and <laughs> you know we we've mentioned crack the uh, coordinator restore at checkpoint. We've mentioned it a couple times today, uh, either as a snap start uh, in AWS or otherwise. We now have as Spring developers, we now have this ability to decide how we want to deploy. And, and that meter might change over time. So if we make an assumption on, hey, this app is going to perform this way and this uh, app has these characteristics traffic-wise, uh, it's not spiky, it's good, uh, it's going to load up X number of times. But then if that changes gradually, if that changes over time, you've now got another option. So you can still have that fast startup time, but maybe the characteristics of how your app is performing in production changes and you can now actually yeah adjust with those changes uh, i heard a funny joke yesterday uh, with a customer where he said what happens when your java program uh, doesn't behave the way you expect the developer adds more memory and then what happens it's still the the java program doesn't perform as they expect they add more memory and then what still what happens and it's again they add more memory uh, and to no surprise Everybody's ran in the over-provisioned uh, application being deployed to production. Mm. And now we just we're, we're able to kind of uh, digest some of that. We're actually able to make some reasonable changes based on this information that we have going in production. Whether it's native images or the, the fast startup or crack. Like, as developers, we've got new vectors that we have to analyze. We've got to be taking some of these things into account when we're deploying to production. And remember, it, it felt like, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, this this jar file is only whatever, 400 megs, it's fine. Yeah, it's only gonna need 24 gigabytes, it's fine. The memory's cheap. Yeah, we're a big company, no big deal. But then, yeah. you know, when you scale it to a thousand, it's not so cheap anymore. Uh, so just interesting, we, we've got another <clears throat> handful of these vectors that we've gotta take into account either when we're developing or after we've made it to production. Like we've got to be taking care of these things and revisiting those assumptions that we've made. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking that like, and I've told, I feel like I repeat myself a lot on, on this show, but if you're new to the show, maybe you haven't heard this a lot, but I feel like early on in my career, I was very much, uh, this is the coolest framework and this is the coolest language. And if you use anything else, you're an idiot. And now today, like obviously I, I've grown wiser in my old age, you know, any programming language out there or framework, most of them can do the job that they need to do. So I would never tell you not to pick the right tool for the right job. If those things work for you, great. I just happen to uh, feel very lucky that I'm in the Java ecosystem because it's been around so long. Framework framework has been around so long. They have tried and they're tested. And now with kind of this new, um, you know, release cadence of Java, they're able to innovate faster. And Spring Framework is staying light right there along with the, 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 the Java programming language and innovating. 
And so, yeah, so things may come up that other languages do or that Java does, and they're able to kind of make changes and stay current and and just again, I'm happy that I'm in this in this space because I have this tool I with Java, I have this tool with Spring that can pretty much do everything that that I need to do. So, I'm excited. I'm excited about what's coming too. I think our developers are happy. Like we get to go out and talk to developers and yep. I, I think it's more than just us getting really like, I want a t-shirt made. Like we're, <laughs> we're getting excited about these things, but the sense that I get is that our community is getting excited about them as well. Yep. And that's great. Cool. Another thing I'm looking forward to, I just thought of in JDK 21 is the now. Um, so I don't know if, I think this will be supported in spring, but it's not really for that. Um, it's the kind of the easier class file, um, the less verbose getting started with Java example. And the, the kind of example out there is like, hey, when you're brand new to Java, there's like this package declaration, there's a class. Then there's a public static void main and it takes a string args and then it has to do something. And now you're working with static variables. There's a lot in that one class file that can like be a little bit uh, overwhelming when you're first learning Java. So they basically boiled this down and cut a lot of this out so you can just write void main and start writing Java inside there. And I don't know if I, I'm guessing Spring would support that at some point. I don't know the answer to that. But um, that that makes me excited because, again, anything we can do to help the new wave of developers uh, get going quickly, I'm excited about that. I That is on my list, too, to go through and, and run a demo of and, and, and play with that. So Just me. Uh, still, I'm going to go back. He said, hey, I didn't hear the answer to the question on the change profile. I don't understand uh, the question on the change profile. Uh, maybe we can take this offline and you and I can pair on the config server running locally. Uh, but this is a question that often comes up in conversations around Spring for GraphQL for me in my head, in my, in my experience. Like, hey, does, does this kind of change the way we set up our entities and our objects? Do we kind of remove one of those abstractions when we're delivering Spring for GraphQL? And using that, so, can we use DAO and service? With so, yeah, so so, I think when it comes to GraphQL and REST, two different things there. Um, in the REST world, I'm still using details a lot because I want to represent a customer with only a few fields instead of the 20 fields. So on the graph, yeah. So your customer, you might have different views of that customer. Mm -hmm. Do you deliver one DTO or do you have multiple DTOs? I have multiple DTOs, okay. right? So I have an entity that represents maybe 40 things. fields that mm -hmm. we're say you're persisting to a database. Mm -hmm. And the entity's responsibility is to retrieve and persist data from the database. Mm -hmm. But I have different representations of a customer. One might be, hey, I need to log in. I don't need 40 fields to log in. I need a username and a password, right? Now I can represent that user as just like a DTO there. Um, or I have a view of that data and I don't want to ship 40 fields back. Um, now I have a DTO. Now GraphQL solves that a different way, right? So with GraphQL, all I have is a, an entity, but then I have a schema. So I have a schema that is in GraphQL that represents the fields that I want to make available in the API. 
So my customer could have 40 fields in an entity, but I may only have uh, five or 10 in my schema. But what changes is I don't need DTOs to represent five fields of uh, the customer because everything that is requested from the client is exactly what's going to get returned. So if I only want five fields, I'm only going to get five fields back. And this is kind of one of the problems with REST is the overfetching. I got to get all the data back, even if I don't want all the data. So um, I don't, um, I don't, there, there's no real DTO and, you know, in GraphQL, at least that I've used. Um, but at least just me's question here on the, the screen seems to be a little bit different. Can we use DAO and service with entity DTO or should we choose one? Um, you're throwing a lot of terms out there. And again, I, I don't know what your use case is, um, but they all have uh, a use case. Uh, I'll just make one more quick suggestion. Greg Turnquist's new book, Learning Spring Boot 3, there is a chapter in there on getting started with this Absolutely. stuff. And he goes through and talks about the differences between DTO, entity, um, a whole bunch of those terms and yeah. like does a really great job of that. So, and Greg has a podcast. Uh, and he's got great content on his podcast. Uh, it's called Learning Spring Boot, right? Yep. Learn. Yeah. Learn Spring Boot. Learn Spring Boot. Uh, definitely go there. For these types of questions, that's where I go. Uh, I Anytime I have any questions regarding anything Spring Data, I literally go to Greg Turnquist's content first. Uh, yep. So. And, and just Spring. That book is yeah. just on Spring, not Spring yep. Data. So. <laughs> um, there's a question down here. Simon says, hey, yeah, check out CQRS. Simon or... says, ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year, create DTO, update DTO. Good. Uh, Abhishek exactly. is here. He says, what is the best practice when you're using Kubernetes? Is it recommended to use your Rika server or do we have any alternative? So not too long ago, uh, we had Ryan Baxter on the show and we talked about what that meant. Uh, so I've got a quick little idea here that you can do it multiple ways. You've got flexibility. I'm going to maybe add my screen here. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, All right. Let's fix that. Yeah. And what's the best way? Nope, nope, nope. Here we go. I'm going to help you out. We'll get there. What happened? Not that one. Not that one. Hmm. Oh, here, maybe if I do it, because I did it as an extra camera. That might be the problem. Uh, uh, I might not be able to do that. Yeah, usually this is the one and it doesn't work. Um, well, let's talk about it. Uh, yeah, let's just do it that way. Let's just do it that way. Uh, oh, we won't sorry. be able to see a whole lot here. Uh, but the idea is I can call those services directly. I can call them uh, normally. You also get your Kubernetes service. So you can call a local cluster the same way. But what you can't do with that discovery is you can't call to another service or anything outside. You can actually use the same Eureka server uh, for your stuff that's inside of Kubernetes and outside. So it depends on where you're at. And one of the things that the Spring Cloud Kubernetes project does, it gives you that flexibility to use Eureka, whether you're in Kubernetes or outside of Kubernetes, or both. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why that Spring Cloud Kubernetes project is there, but you don't have to, you have options. I tend to use the Spring Cloud Kubernetes uh, projects. Uh, here, I am not, 
at, at this point in time. Uh, I'm really just passing and calling the URL that you can normally. Uh, but at scale, I only have one instance of these apps. But at scale, the idea is, hey, I just want this service and give me the address of those services and I can do interesting things like client-side load balancing. So you've got options and that's why they're out there is because you have different options. So Kubernetes by itself has its own discovery that you can use, you know, uh, service.svc.cluster.local or whatever you want to call. Uh, and you can get the service by its name, but you can also use Eureka server just like we have been doing, uh, yeah, for years. So hopefully that answered that question. Um, speaking of Kubernetes, um, if you are going to be at Spring One in Las Vegas, um, Craig Walls is doing a session on springing into Kubernetes. I know Kubernetes is kind of a new thing for me uh, coming into this position. Uh, Craig's talk on Spring and Kubernetes and what are the things that you need to know, those are one of the things that really helped it click for me. And so I think he does a really great job of explaining it. So again, if you're going to be in, in Vegas, uh, definitely check out that session. Wonderful. Um, here's when using GraphQL, it reveals actual database column names. And is it a bad practice for security concerns? I don't know that it does. Um, I would say I, I don't agree with that. So you, you, you define a schema. That schema is what is the public API to the end user. So you can call uh, first underscore name, F name if you want to in your schema. And that schema is what's available. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the book link didn't work. Uh, <clears throat> it should work. Just look on Amazon, Learning Spring Boot 3 by Greg Turnquist. Uh, it's a must buy, so. Um, any resources for the different implementations? Uh, Kubernetes.io. Uh, this is the question from Abishak uh, regarding like what are the different options that I have for service discovery in Kubernetes? Uh, you can use the the native Kubernetes discovery um, in Eureka. That that's where I'll I'll send you. Um, what I might do is say Spring Cloud Kubernetes. Check that out uh, on Spring.io. Spring.io. Those are my options. Start there. And I'll bet I wouldn't be surprised if there is a if there is a piece on the Townsview Developer Center. I was just going to mention that, and I don't know if we've talked about this, but maybe I need to go ahead and share my screen here one more time for those of us who are watching. Um, let me pull this up. Uh, the Tanzu Developer Center has been kind of resty restyled on the homepage here. Um, so look at that handsome fellow. That is amazing. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of guides. Um, so right when you land on the Tanzu Developer Center, for those of you at home, tanzu.vmware.com slash developer, there's a whole bunch of guides that you can check out. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh different ways that you can learn different topics. So if you go under learn, we have guides, learning path. There are some workshops, um, samples, videos, blogs, a whole bunch of really good stuff there. And there's just a ton of Kubernetes information on here. So if you're interested in that, uh, Tanzu Developer Center is definitely a place that I would check out. So I continue to have 
microphone problems. I, I apologize. I'm not sure what's happening here. I'm not sure either because I hear you just fine, Deshaun. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna hit the uh, the button on the audio that says uh, automatically adjust mic volume. Uh, I'm gonna do that, and uh, it doesn't really. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's making any difference. Uh, but maybe, maybe I just need to talk into the mic like this. I, I know that that makes a difference. That that did help a little. Yes. It is a little bit clearer for me. And, so, and it's not the first time that uh, I've had that comment. So, yeah, I'll, I'll figure out how to do this mic. Except my, I can't see past my mic. So I just pretend. I just pretend the microphone is food because at this point in the day, I'm starting to get a little hungry. So I just get real close to it. I'm <laughs> starting to get hungry now. Cool. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping up soon anyway. Um, getting close to dinner time over here for me. So, um, yeah. So I think the theme of today was what's new in spring. We covered a lot of the topics, the new projects that are coming out, the ones that have already been released, the ones that are going to be released later this year. If you'd see, if you'd like to see us do a little bit deeper dive on any of the things that we talked about today, hey, Dan, hey, Deshaun, uh, that REST client seems really cool. Can you? Can you do a whole show on that topic? Yeah, we'd love to. Let us know what you're interested in. Um, go ahead and send us. Um, leave us a comment on the YouTube video, on the podcast. If you'd leave us a review, that'd be really great. Um, we'd love to hear from you there. But yeah, anything uh, that you're interested in, in hearing more about, we would love to do that. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback. Letting us know where you're at. Uh, we're happy to help. Uh, for those of you that are trying to upgrade and stay on the latest and greatest, uh, happy to help there too. Uh, we talked about open rewrite a little bit. Uh, Spring Boot migrators out there, Spring CLIs out there. We would love to get feedback on those projects that are both still in experimental stage. But yeah, there's so much stuff happening, and this is this is a resource. If you've got questions, we might not have the answers, but we got Slack. We do. And we're here to help. <clears throat> and uh, we do have Twitter, but it's not called Twitter. Um, it's called X. Uh, when, I don't, when did that happen? Did that happen last night. Overnight? The last last couple of days. And now I don't know if it's it's not called a tweet anymore. It's called a zeet. I, I don't know. Zeet? I'm very I'm very confused on what's going on. The app formerly known as Twitter, that's you can find us there at Deshaun at the real Dan Vega. Um, definitely check us out there. Also, I mentioned it before, but if you want to check us out in person, spring one at VMware Explorer in Vegas, August 21st through the 24th. It's going to be an awesome conference. I have never been so excited for a conference, so check us out there. Um, yeah, with that, uh, we will be back next week, next Tuesday at 3.30. We have a potential guest. I'm going to – it may be next week or later in the month, but we have a good guest coming up that we're excited about. Um, if not, we'll just dive into one of the topics that we, we covered today. Um, but with that, uh, please leave us your questions. Head over to springofficehours.io. You can go ahead and ask a question there or check out our archives. If you're on the podcast, that'd be a good place to start. Really appreciate you showing up today, and we can't wait to see you in the next one. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.